Okay guys, so welcome back to the Talking Fit Podcast. Today we're gonna to be sitting down with Lee Matthews. Now, Lee is a former serviceman. He is a current competitor at the Invictus Games and one of the most inspirational individuals I have ever met. We're gonna be talking about his introduction to powerlifting, life before and after service, and his own battle with depression. Now, this is gonna be a very much more character-based style interview. So if you like this, please and just let us know because we wanna get more of these stories out there. We wanna introduce you to the inspirational people that we know um, and just show you that you know these amazing people are out there and can positively influence your life. So without further ado, Lee, welcome. Thank you. All right, cool, so we're just gonna get going. Tell people a little bit about yourself to start off with, just, you know, who you are, what you're doing, how you're, comp- you know, you've got around to competing in the Invictus Games and just... Yeah, so um, I dropped, basically I joined the military straight after school, really. Um, always wanted to do it. My family, my dad was in the military, my brother was in the military, my sister married someone in the military, so it was kind of destined for me to do it. Um, so I joined up, 18, fresh out, fresh out of school. Um, education wasn't really for me. Um, I loved the physical side of it. Um, had aspirations of becoming a pilot in my regiment. Um, so I did eight years in that, and that was my main ambition, pilot. Um, about the six-year point, I had, it's not really the best story, but I had kidney stones. So, you know, routine operation, yeah, we'll just get rid of these kidney stones for you. This, you know, it's a normal operation, hardly anything goes wrong with it, do it all the time. So they operated on that because they weren't passing, put a stent in my kidney, took that out after two weeks, and when they took that out, my life changed completely. Um, I was in a different type of pain, I was having muscle spasms, um, pins and needles all down my leg, Um, didn't know what was going on in that hospital for about six months. So I literally went from being a soldier, which I absolutely loved, to not being able to walk 20 metres without keeling over in pain. Um, So that just changed my life, really. Um, And I didn't really know how to cope with that. And then soon after that, I found adaptive sport, and that sort of changed my life. So and I'm here today. That's absolutely incredible. It's an amazing story. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, because I know so many people who are in the military, and I come from you know relatively militarized family myself. It's militarized. Militarized. Like North Korea. Like a militia. Yeah. Basically, we are the Kent militia. But yeah, so come from a family that has like a lot of ties to the military. I, I think a lot of people often think of it as it's just another job. Whereas I think when you come from that sort of like family culture, it's a calling. Yeah, it was. It's, it's not just a job when you're in the military. It's a family. Um, and you kind of think of yourself as soldier first, so that is what you are, you are a soldier. And if you can't soldier, then what are you, really? That's um, a good way of putting it, actually, yeah. Mm. And you sort of define yourself by that. So when I couldn't do that anymore, I sort of went from hero to zero, and that's how I looked at myself. I can't even imagine what that would be like. I mean, so when you were, when you went in for operation, was that dur- when you were on tour? Because I mean, you, saw, you and I spoke about this before, when you were on tour in Afghanistan. Yeah, so I did a uh, tour of Afghanistan in 2008, and then shortly after returning, so my tour was, um, I did my job, it was a good tour, if you can say that. Um, 
nothing bad happened to me, I suppose. So that's the way it puts except it. The sand, except the sandbag um, story. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then shortly coming back from that, I, this, you know, the kidney stones happened. So, and you know, like I say, it's it's kidney stones. You don't really expect expect that. <laughs> so, I mean, what what actually happened? Like in terms of, did you go in there and there was just a complication, or so when they took the stent out. Um, it was a different type of pain. It was a different sensation, and I, I just I was in that hospital, seeing different doctors, getting different diagnosis, prognosis, all that sort of things. They didn't really know what was happening, um, and then I went to see a professor in London, a nerve specialist, and they did a few tests on me, and they were just like, "Yeah, this is this is what's going on. You've got a condition which they termed visceral somatic syndrome, which is basically nerve nerve damage." posh way of saying it mm-hmm. um, and it just progressively got worse um, initially I was able to walk as I had quite a lot of strength in my leg um, and then about a year after the initial onset um, my legs started giving way had numbness couldn't feel it so it was a, gla- it was a gradual progression yeah, as well as another word or regression got worse over time um, until I just literally couldn't couldn't walk that far anymore, so that's when the wheelchair came in, and I've been using that ever since, just to give me some freedom. And so, as amazing as that story is, where uh, you went through depression after that, what drove you towards powerlifting? Was it something you did before? Had you done it while you were in the military, or was it something you found post injury? I suppose we'll call it. Um, sorry, I was always active in the military, but I was a footballer and a mm. rugby player, so I'd never benched in my life. Um, I'd never really f- thought about doing it. Um, and then probably two years after this happened, I got medically discharged from the military and the Invictus Games came back in London, 2014. And I thought, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I, I started playing wheelchair basketball, absolutely fell in love with it, the competitive side of it, the sports side of it. Um, and I got selected don't know how I pushed myself for it. It was such an achievement to get selected in that team. We went to London, such a surreal um, environment for me, being treated as an athlete, competing for the country. One gold in front of 8,000 people it was, and it was live on BBC. It was just totally surreal. Um, and, and picking up that gold at the end of it, amazing. So I got the buzz from that. And that was it then for me. I just thought, right, sport. Is my therapy. This is how I'm gonna, how I'm gonna live my life. How I'm gonna improve my life. And it gave me another, another reason to keep going, really. And from that, I started doing powerlifting. And then I competed in Orlando Invictus. Um, came fourth in my first international competition. Um, yeah, and I've been doing that ever since. That's my my true passion now. So do you feel the sport kind of filled that void that your time after service yeah, so left you with? A lot of people don't know that about me. Um, when they see me in the gym, I'm laughing, I'm, I'm a character, I'm outgoing, you know yourself what I'm like, I'm quite, come on, put the weights up, come on, hurry up, get on with it. Yeah, you hijack everyone's yeah, training session. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm always laughing and that, but a lot of people don't know behind the scenes. Um, I do suffer with mental health, especially depression. And when this first happened, there was a lot of times where I thought, right, that's it, that's me. 
I'm done, really. Um, putting it bluntly, I can't see a point in my life. Um, and then, yeah, sport. Sport picked me up, gave me a reason. Uh, helped me fall in love with life again, if you like. Yeah. And that's just so incredible. And I think, like, I, I've always said that sport is one of the most impactful things you can do for a human being in order to give them a sense of, you know, not just personal belief and achievement but also that sense of camaraderie because something you said like you're a soldier first and that's part of your identity and that's how you identify with all the other people in your unit battalion mm -hmm. and just the whole sort of you know forces as a whole I mean it's have you have you ever been to the army navy game in Twickenham no I never yeah. have never had the privilege it no. is it is amazing because yeah. it's literally like people who have <laughs> never met each other from the same branch of the forces just band together. It's like, right, this side of the stadium is army, and it doesn't matter whether you're a fusilier, a signaler, cavalry, doesn't matter. That's you. Those are your people. Mm -hmm. And then there's the navy, and those are their people. Mm. And you want to fucking smash them mm. for no other reason. <laughs> <laughs> they're different, but it provides that sense of like cohesion. Like you are yeah, a team again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, so the the team aspect of being in wheelchair basketball. How have you found transitioning to powerlifting as a solo sport? Because obviously I know it's it's you and it's going to be you know your the people you train with and everyone else, but fundamentally it's you on the platform. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite lucky to have a team in powerlifting, especially in Invictus, where the coach and and the team itself we call it a individual team sport. So although it's an individual sport, when you're competing, everybody is behind you, and they're all shouting, "Come on!" And when you're training, you're all helping each other, but you do have that individual side of it and I do I do enjoy that because it's about me against me. It's about improving me, improving my numbers, uh, giving me a reason to get up in the morning. Right, I'm going to smash that weight. Right, I'm going to improve that. I'm going to improve that range of motion. You know, stuff like that. It's just about improving myself. Yeah. When Rogan speaks about like tr like that transition from team sport to individual sport, do you find the onus is a lot more on you now? So in terms of if you if you're a part of a team, there is always someone else to blame. Mm -hmm. Whether it's if you're in a if you're in a solo sport, it is either you against yourself or you against another individual and you can't really blame anyone else at the yeah, end. Yeah, you've got to be a lot more disciplined. Hmm. You have to I mean it comes down to everything, nutrition, training, you know, you have to if you don't do it, it's not gonna happen. You can't rely on your, can't your rely teammate. On blame. Yeah, yeah. It's so you've got to put the work in. Yeah, and I think that's when people either don't work within team sports or they massively sort of fall apart at the seams when they come out of team sports or team environments is where they have that ability to lose themselves in the team. So it's about being accountable to a team as opposed to being accountable to yourself mm -hmm. as part of the team. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a really good way of looking at it in terms of like you've got the people that you train with and yeah, so you're fundamentally it's you on the platform, but you're there because of all the steps that all those other people have sort of taken with you. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I think I've been quite extre well, extremely lucky to have the people that I've had behind me for my training, for my um, mental and physical recovery, uh, for my leg, a physio team behind me which is great, a coaching team which behind me which is great, strength and conditioning team, so I've been extremely lucky to have that but again if you don't put the work in all that is for nothing so. it's funny like we sit here and I know obviously no one can actually see but the people need to understand when he starts but like 
you know, his physical rehabilitation and stuff. Lee absolutely dwarfs us physically, upper body particularly. <laughs> and it's it's um so when he speaks like that, it's quite apt that he talks about physical rehabilitation, but and he's quite softly spoken, but physically he's very very impressive. Thank you. And uh, so like, but you you transformed in like the year yeah. that I've known you. It's yeah. absolutely unreal. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you take progress pictures and all that, don't you? Mm. And, um, we'll be putting them up, don't we? And obviously, you, you, <laughs> you uh, track your, um, you know, the weights that you're putting up, and you yeah. can see you can see a difference. Mm. Um, and when you look at that, you're just like, okay, things are going okay. <laughs> and and that's the thing. So for people that don't really understand how um, able-bodied versus non-able-bodied powerlifting differentiates itself. So with able-bodied, you have three lifts. So you have um, squat, bench, deadlift, whereas in non-able-bodied, you have just the bench press. That's right, yeah. Now, specifically with the bench press and powerlifting, the thing that people often neglect is the fact that, yes, the bench press is a presser by definition, upper body bias movement, but if you're bench pressing maximal weights, you were using every single muscle in your body. Like you were driving your feet into the floor, you were being as rooted as physically possible, so without being too crass about it, I have double the amount of motor units that I can use mm. to get my bench press moving in comparison to Lee. These bench press is stupidly fucking impressive considering you, you, know, you are automatically working at disadvantage because you have, you have no leg drive. Yes. Like you have to use lats, shoulders, rhomboids, mm. rotator cuff, everything from literally the waist up is stabilizing. And you struggle for core activation on one side, don't you, Lola? Yeah, my left side's weaker. So like I mean I like people talk about I like I said it is a chest and tricep dominant movement but without core stability it makes it so much harder yeah and again the fact that your bench press dwarfs ours is quite sad for us <laughs> so, what, so what numbers are, are you hitting at the moment in training because I know you're you've been on a bit of a hypertrophy tear yeah so at the minute I'm on quite a high volume training um, so I'm doing five sets of five five sets of eight five sets of seven you know yeah. just just high volume um less intensity but those the intensity is going to start increasing um so i'm just building a bigger base so i can hit a higher higher peak yeah, yeah basically um so and that takes its toll especially on your shoulders when you're doing upper body upper body upper body <laughs> upper body um so i do need to keep keep mobility going keep you know stretching because if you neglect that you do get injured so. I've been guilty of that, so <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, but I am just peak. I'm gonna try and peak for Invictus now, which is in October. So tell us a little bit about that, actually, before for our kind of final running. Um, Selection-wise, what's the criteria? So selection for Invictus this year was was what, what really competitive, actually. Um, there was four hundred and seventy uh, athletes and 72 people got selected. Um, so when I got that email, I was a bit was a bit surreal, really. I was like, is that, is that really, you know, have I got selected? But then at the same time, I was like, yes, come on. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's the thing. You, it, it's, it's an amazing feeling to, I guess on one side, it'd be like, holy crap, I am one of a handful of people that is a dual sport Invictus mm -hmm. athlete, mm -hmm. which is incredible. Like there must be like a very select number of people who can say that. But then equally, it's that whole thing of like, well, of course this happened. This was the end goal of the plan. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, I, I can't remember who did the interview, but there was a, um, an interview with one of the USA bobsled team members. And they were like, oh, how does it feel to, you know, 
have you know given up a job in finance and made it to the Olympics it's like well that was the plan yeah. you know what I mean <laughs> I, put, I put this plan in place yeah. of course of course this was going to happen yeah. it was inevitability mm-hmm. and I think you have to especially for me I have to visualise what I'm going to do so if I want to hit 125 130 I visualise myself doing it that's kilos not pounds yeah kilos um, <laughs> so I so have, one American I have to do the same with selection um I've had the disappointment of not being selected before. So you have to visualize yourself being selected. And it was a six month selection process. So there was two camps every month, coaches writing down points about you. You had to give a personal statement. You had to, you know, there was certain elements you were being judged on constantly. So to get selected, yeah, over the moon, over the moon. How did you, how did you mentally come back from not being selected the first time around? I just said to myself, it gives me more time to get stronger. So, and then the next time I'm just gonna, just gonna keep going. I think that's amazing. Like, I, I, I don't know if you have like sports psychologists like mm-hmm. on as part of your team, yeah. but have you gone through like, the whole sort of growth mindset versus fixed mindset mm-hmm. thing? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a hugely like representative of what you're talking about there. It's like, well, this has happened for me. I have an opportunity now to spend more time building my base, getting stronger, yeah. and ultimately come back and just absolutely smashing it mm-hmm. down the line, as opposed to people who go, oh, this has happened to me. I'm the victim. Yeah, you strike me as the kind of guy that would put in the position, you were put in the position of failure, and get inverted commas because I know you can't see it, but, um, but you're going you're gonna to put yourself in a position where they can't refuse you I think, next time. Yeah, I mean, I think losing my career in the military, going through my depression, I looked at myself as a failure for a long time. And it, I'm not a failure. I can stop what happened to me. Um, but I just said, you know, I'm going to make myself better with what I've got. So, as as a man who's very open with the fact that he's dealt with mental health issues, mm-hmm. have there been any major um, roadblocks with your like, you know, your personal life or your um, former friends or whatever, not sort of really getting it? Uh, yeah, because I think that's what a lot of men yeah. specifically are very scared of is the fact that they have to admit this weakness to other perceived perceived weakness inverted commas yeah. to other men. When I first perceived men, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. When when it first happened to me, I was ashamed. I didn't want to tell anyone about it because you know, soldier, you know, man, men, man up, it's sort men of as well. Like men yeah. don't get depression. Men yeah. don't get depression, especially Irish men. There's no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> But it's true, like, I mean, that's why, in terms of, like... You barely have feelings to begin with. Yeah, but, yeah, no, it must be a very difficult thing. I, well. Yeah, I mean, my life was just spiralling, um, and it got to the point where I looked at myself and I said, I don't like who I am right now. I mm. don't know, I don't like what's happening. So, um, from that point is when I said, right, I need help. Um, but there has been other roadblocks, um, such as losing my partner, um, you know, splitting up with her was a roadblock losing my career was a roadblock um, but you just you have to make the decision you have to say I either let this destroy me or I let it build me So, I think it's really interesting also that you refer to it as a roadblock because roadblocks get cleared it's mm-hmm. not the end of the road mm-hmm. and I think it's really really cool that that's something you instinctively went to that specific terminology as opposed to a lot of people were like well that was the end of that or that was the end of this mm-hmm. you're just referring to is just something that needs to be cleared out of the way yeah I think if you use it to build yourself it's better um, and I learned that like I say there was moments where I was like you say that's the end 
Yeah. Um, Ready to punch the ticket. Basically, yeah. But I just said, you know, life's too short. I want to become a world champ, so let's just do this. Yeah. <laughs> you say it's so blasé. What is going to be world champ? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, I mean, that's inspirational. In the ter- like you said, in the terminology of how you speak about it, you speak about it as an inevitability. Mm-hmm. I will be world champ. Yeah, it's not that, I want to be. It's, like it's, I will be. it's that visualization. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing, I think, when you accept the fact that it's an all encompassing goal, like you eat it, live it, sleep it, breathe it, it, you. It's being comfortable surrendering yourself to a goal as opposed to chaining yourself to a goal. Because mm-hmm. one is a form of slavery. And the thing is that like, you still live your life. You know what I mean? You aren't a slave to your goal. It's just such a like a hugely symbiotic part of who you are as a human being now. Yeah. That I think that's just absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, so I'm sure we're gonna have to get you back in at some point post Invictors games mm-hmm. and sort of check in with you as we're going. But I want to just quickly just ask, so as you know, I work with a mental health charity called My Discombobulated Brain, so quick shout out to them. All their links will be in the comments section below. Um, what advice do you have for either you know men in general or especially ex-servicemen that are coming out of um, the forces and are experiencing feelings of depression, negativity, and you know at the risk of being too overt about it, suicide? Um, my advice would be don't be ashamed. Um, talk. Just open up and talk. That's the first step. Um, and find a passion. I, I don't care what it is. It could be reading, writing, painting, helping other people. Find a passion and, and live it. Nice. Well, it the, the spirit of Invictus. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So you're not defined by mental health. You're not defined by a disability. You are who you are. And just live your life. Find a passion. You are the master of your fate. You are the captain of your soul. That's the one. Lee, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this interview with us. And I'm sure we will... Have you on again? Yeah, definitely. That was... I've already emotional now. That was amazing. (laughs) It was amazing. Um, Okay, so what we're going to do, guys, we will get all of Lee's social media so you can keep an eye on him and what he's doing. It's going to be an incredible run at the Invictus game. So we're going to be really looking forward to that. We will, as always... Try and get Lee back on for more Q&As. If you'd like to hear more from him, us, or anything to do with either um, fighting depression or anything else regarding your own personal mental health, please do just click on the link to my discombobulated brain below, or um, we'll also put the link for the Samaritans and any other mm-hmm. mental health charities Lee can suggest for us in the comments section below. As always, guys, this has been Talking Fit. Thank you so much for listening. Please leave us five-star reviews and share this. If Out of all the interviews we've done, I think this is one that needs to be shared the most, especially amongst men, because Lee's story, even though in a lot of ways is worlds apart from what we have been through as, you know, as civilians, Mm -hmm. it's something we can all relate to. I don't know a single man that hasn't felt a loss of identity during, you know, the developmental years of their life and during really big transitionary moments. So... Yeah, I'm just absolutely blown away. Thank you very much, Lee, once again. And guys, this has been Talking Fit. See you guys next week.